Hi, and welcome to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We are in Ephesians chapter 4 this week, first three verses of that chapter today. And in in many ways, as we come to Ephesians chapter 4, we're we're turning the corner in the book of Ephesians. Let me read for you verse 1 of Ephesians 4. Paul writes, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've you've received. In, in many ways, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, it looks back and it also looks ahead. This verse looks back to chapters 1 through 3, the first part of the book of Ephesians. It looks back as he talks about the calling you have received. It looks back to our wealth in Christ, all that God has done for us, the calling he has given to us, our wealth in Christ. But Ephesians 4, 1 also looks ahead to chapters 4 to 6. Because of this calling that you've received, Paul says, I want you to live a life that's worthy. That's our walk in Christ. And our walk in Christ always grows out of our wealth in Christ. First, you understand who you are in Christ, what he's done in your life. That's the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians. And then you understand what he wants you to do with your life. That's the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians, chapters four through six. Now, remember, as we enter into chapter four, I, Paul, as a prisoner of the Lord, Remember, that's how chapter 3 started. And then in chapter 3, Paul was reminded of some things that he wanted to say, inspired by the Spirit to be reminded. He says those things all through chapter 3, and then chapter 4, verse 1, he gets back to where he was going. And Paul begins this talk about our walk in Jesus Christ. And the first thing that he talks about is he talks about our walk as believers is our walk together with other believers, the importance of fellowship in a church. One of the most important things when it comes to your walk, the way you live your life as a believer is your fellowship, your relationship with other believers in Christ. When I look at my own life, for better or for worse, the the reason I have been able to grow in my relationship with Christ is I've been around other believers who are growing in their relationship with Christ. And as Paul begins to talk about the church in these verses, he's talking about what makes for a great church. What makes a great church? Is it the size? Is it the buildings? Is it the programs? No, not at all. Paul says, here's what makes for a great church. One word, unity. True unity in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus taught us that they'll know we are Christians by our love. And since we know that's true, that's how people know we're Christians, by the way that we love each other, where do you think Satan's going to attack us? In the way that we love each other. He's going to go after our unity. You can count on that, but he cannot win because we have God's clear strategy for victory. What can I do to make my church a great church? If you're a part of Saddleback Church, what can you do to make Saddleback Church a great church? Whatever church you're a part of, what can you do to make your church a great church? These next few days, we're going to talk about what every one of us can do. Beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, beginning with the, the development of three attitudes in your in your own life. You want to make your church a great church? Develop these three attitudes. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility, gentleness, and patience. That's what makes for a great church. Because in a church, we're together with other people. And when we're together with other people, our human pride can rise up. When we're together with other people, our our human tendency towards selfishness can begin to take the lead. But not, not when we're humble and gentle and patient. Humility. Humility is not seeing yourself as less important. It's seeing others as more important. Humility is not putting yourself down. It's lifting God up. 
Humility has to do with how you see things, how you see yourself in relationship to others, and how you see yourself in relationship to God, and then how you act based on what you see. Paul says be humble. And then he says be gentle. Gentleness to many of us is a, is a weak word, but when you read the Bible, it is not weak at all. Moses in Numbers 12, verse 3 is called gentle. Jesus is called gentle in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Some of the greatest leaders that ever walked this planet in the Bible are called gentleness. And the actual idea behind this word gentleness is power under control. The pictures behind it are a, a soothing medicine or a cult that has been broken, a wild cult that's been broken, or, or, or a soft wind. In each case, there is tremendous potential power there, but it's come under control. And God says, the power that I've given into your life, the, the ability to work and think and do, it needs to be under my control. That's gentleness. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience is, instead of being short-tempered with people, being literally, in this word, long-tempered with people. Picture it as having a long fuse instead of a short fuse. God says that's how you to treat people in your life. You see, the church is a family. And for a family to work, we have to learn to put up with each other. That's how this verse ends. Bearing with one another in love. And these are three attitudes that you and I are challenged to work on for the rest of our lives. And I don't know about you, I'm going to have to work on it for the rest of my life. One of the things that I can do to make my church a great church is develop these attitudes of humility and gentleness and patience with people. You want to develop those attitudes? If you're feeling a little frustrated, wondering how you're going to get there, here's my encouragement. Look at Jesus. Look at how he treated people. Learn from the master. He had humility. He became a man. He, he had to learn to walk. He, he, he ate baby food, even, the, even as God in human flesh. And then on the day of his death, he suffered the insults on the cross without retribution. There's humility there. Jesus had gentleness. Let the little children come to me, he said. Jesus had patience. You see it in his relationship with his disciples who sometimes didn't get it, but Jesus was always patient. You want to learn these attitudes? Follow him. That's what makes for a great church. As we walk through Ephesians 4, there's a second thing that makes for a, a great church in our walk in Christ. Ephesians 4.3 says this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit to the bond of peace. Make every effort. First, you develop those three attitudes we, we just talked about, and then and then you give it your all. You make every effort. Not some effort or even a good effort, it doesn't say. It says every effort. And that's saying to me that unity is in church. True unity is not always easy. In fact, unity is hard work. It's hard work because it doesn't come naturally. It comes spiritually. Now, when I say hard work, hard work does not have to be unpleasant. It's enjoyable when you see results that are worth the effort. I like it when I've worked hard on a project and I can see the results. And you're going to see the results of your efforts towards unity. You'll see the results of that for an eternity. It is worth it. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. When we talk about make every effort, remember the unity is the Spirit's unity. So the effort that I have to make, do not miss this, is to trust in the Spirit, in God's Spirit and what He can do. If it's just my effort, all I'm going to get is what my effort can give me. And that's not much unity. But it's my effort to trust in Him. Because notice, we're not creating unity here. We're keeping unity. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. 
So we're, we're holding on to what he's already given to us. This is not the effort to do something on my own energy. This is the effort to give my all to trust in him for unity. Now, now how does this work itself out in a practical way, this making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? Well, the next few verses talk about how God accomplishes this, how God accomplishes unity in his church. And it really leads to a third truth about how I can be used by God to do something great within my church. I need to develop three attitudes. I need to give it my all. And then I need to appreciate, appreciate the diversity that strengthens our unity. Because unity is not uniformity. It's not us always being alike. Unity is not anarchy. Everyone doing what they like. Unity is recognizing that we're all different. And God has made us like that so that together we can be what we could never be by ourselves. The differences that we have in our abilities and our gifts, they're not some mistake. They're not an injustice. They're not a matter of chance. The Bible teaches that our differences are planned. And let me tell you, there is a tremendous difference between planned differences and unplanned differences. With, with planned differences in color, you get a, a Mona Lisa. With unplanned differences, you get finger painting splotched on a, on a piece of paper. With planned differences in, in weaving, you get a beautiful tapestry. With unplanned differences, you just get a tangled ball of yarn. With planned differences in tone, you, you get a Beethoven. With unplanned differences, you get a, a junior high garage band. There is a tremendous difference between planned and unplanned differences. You plan the differences and follow God's plan, you get unity. But with unplanned differences, you see chaos. Now, tomorrow, we're going to look more deeply into God's plan for unity. How does he use our differences? And how does he work, how does he work us together in the church to be unified in his plan for our lives? But today, as we end, I want to take a moment to pray for those three attitudes that we talked about earlier. I don't know about you. I need to pray for these every day of my life. Let's talk to him together. Jesus Christ, I need humility. I need gentleness. I need patience. In my relationship with others today, Lord, instead of expecting them to meet my needs, help me to look to meet their needs. And if I'm going to do that, I ask once again for those three attitudes, humility and gentleness and patience. Help me to look to you, Jesus, to follow you, to find strength from you. Thank you that you love me. And I pray that out of your love for me, you would strengthen me to love others today. In your name, amen.